Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Gregory Melville and Susan Fox and Kathleen Bromage. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Megan Voisin in Suffield, Michael Brown in Hartford, Jaylene Gonzalez in East Windsor, and Raekwon McLean in Hamden. They were all walking when they were hit and killed by cars in the last year. In fact, pedestrian deaths in the state have more than doubled since 2011. Coming up where we live, we hear from the Connecticut Department of Transportation about the rise in pedestrian deaths. Earlier this month, a pedestrian on a sidewalk was killed in West Hartford Center. Police identified him as 61-year-old Bob O'Neill. That crash is still under investigation. In a few minutes, West Hartford's town engineer joins us to talk about the town's efforts to slow traffic between Bishop's Corner and West Hartford. Do you feel safe walking where you live? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. You can share a comment on our Facebook page and find us on Twitter at Where We Live. So often these crashes are forgotten. Maybe it's a headline you see online or hear during a quick news story. But we can't forget that lives are changed in an instant. Just ask West Hartford resident Stephanie Marco Lance, who was hit by a driver in April 2017 while she was in a crosswalk. I talked with her recently about that day. Joining us now on Zoom is Stephanie Marco Lance. She's a West Hartford resident and she's a mixed media artist. Stephanie, welcome to our show. Thank you for having me. Starting off, you know, how long have you been a West Hartford resident? We have lived in West Hartford for 17 years now. And you have a family. We do. We have two children, um, 14 and 16. And so it's a long time to live in West Hartford. And you know, we wanted to ask you about um, a really traumatic thing that happened to you. I believe it was five years ago uh, when you were hit by a car. Can you tell us what happened? Well, it was a beautiful day um, during April break, um, April 11th. Um, and we had the kids home from school and we decided we'd walk into West Hartford Center to enjoy really a more spring-like day. Um, and we had a lovely day. We went out to lunch and um, we had our dog with us and we were on our way back home. <laughs> and honestly, you know, we walk through um, traffic safety with the kids all the time, um, just because they were at that point of the age that they could start walking into the center on their own. We live about a mile from West Hartford Center. So I just remind them, you know, wait till the walk signals on, you know, make sure you cross at the crosswalks. And we were at a crosswalk at a red light in the middle of the walk cycle. And I'm like, okay, it's all safe. You know, all the cars are stopped. And, um, it was the corner of Farmington and Trout Brook Drive. And um, we started walking across all together. And um, there was one lane of traffic that was 
no one was in. And um, all of a sudden there was a car just flying down the road. I saw the car flying down the road, kind of thinking, how is it possible they're going to stop at that red light? <laughs> um, and they didn't stop at the red light. They just blew through the red light and hit me. Wow. And then it, when that happened, I mean, there must have been so much that was going through your mind, your kids, your husband, they were all in front of you. Had they already completed well, walking to the other side? Thankfully, um, at that age for the kids, when they got about halfway across, they would kind of race each other across. So they got across much quicker than I did. And my husband was literally like a step ahead of me with our dog, like a step ahead of me, literally. And, um, which was enough for him to not get hit by the car. Um, but yeah, I saw the car coming straight at me and I just thought I am going to die right now. That was like, you know, like in the movies, you see like the people that are about to get hit by a car and you're like, just jump out of the way. And, uh, there's just no time to jump out of the way. <laughs> and, um, so yeah, my thought was I'm going to die right now. And then my next thought was I am not ready to die. And then everything just went black and I definitely got hit bad. <laughs> So this was the, the corner of Farmington and Troutbrook. Can you describe that intersection for our listeners who may not be familiar with that part of West Hartford? It is a very, very uh, well-traveled, busy intersection in town. Um, it's an intersection that we need to cross over to get into town. You know, it's just our route we go. There's um, a gas station on one corner that people are coming in and out of. There's a funeral home, home on another corner. Um it's right by Whole Foods. It's just a very busy intersection. So honestly, it's an intersection. I was always remind my kids, make sure you watch out for the people turning right on red, you know, make sure everyone stopped. And it's just crazy that that happened there. And so what happened after the crash? Um, I imagine you well, were hospitalized. What was your recovery? Oh my gosh. Well, um, <laughs> Thankfully, my husband does ski patrol and he's a first responder and he was very calm on the scene. This is what I hear because I obviously don't remember any of this. Um, being so close to the middle of town, the emergency response crews were there very quickly um, to help me. Um, I do have a, a haunting sound whenever I hear siren sirens until this day because um, I, I have that audio, I guess, ingrained in my head, the sirens coming. And I also recall like the feeling of the hot pavement on my back. Um, but it's kind of like, I don't really remember it. Um, but yeah, Carl jumped into action to secure the scene. I think they call it in ski patrol lingo. Um, and made sure, well, the, the person who hit me actually was still in drive. <laughs> Um, I hit the front bumper of the car, somehow launched into the front windshield with my head and like went almost like aerial. And then I got thrown like, I don't know, 16 feet or so skidding across the pavement after. So it was like, I almost got three hits in a way. Mm. And there were 
lots of witnesses because everyone else was sitting at a red light just watching what was going on. Um, so anyway, yeah, so Carl made sure that the man put his car in park and turned it off because we didn't want him to continue going out down the road. He had no idea that he had hit me. Um, he was an elderly man who should not have been driving his car. I'm so sorry to hear that happened to you, Stephanie. And so I'm talking to you five years later, physically, you're doing okay. But what about psychologically, Stephanie, when something like Ugh. this happens, how has that changed? You know, even with the, the, the comfort that you once had feeling comfortable walking with your family. In West uh, it Center. took me a long time to feel comfortable walking on a sidewalk. <laughs> I, I, I still have PTSD from it. Um, it's, uh, and I have a lot of trouble sleeping still. Um, I, it's generally when I'm passenger in the car and I, I guess it's maybe psychologically, like I don't have the control. My husband's a great driver, but like if someone comes and cuts us off, I, I, I overreact, um, because I, of what happened and, um, excuse me, I, don't like overreacting. It, it makes me very upset. Um, and this, I never had sleep issues before. And, um, I did get my medical marijuana card to help me sleep. Um, and that does help very much, but, um, yeah. I, and like I said earlier, the sirens are very triggering. So, um, Whenever I hear a siren go flying by, I'm like, all I could think is, gosh, I hope everybody's okay, you know? We're talking with you and I'm playing this interview in an hour where we're focusing on uh, pedestrian deaths uh, in our state uh, more than doubling since 2011 and thinking not only about ways to uh, for the state and for localities to address this issue, but I'm wondering, you know, from your perspective as someone that was hit by a car and survived, when you think about the intersections in your town, you know, what concerns do you have today? What do you want to see change? Well, being that we're a big, big walking family, and as I said, our kids are walking all over the place now, especially at 14 and 16, they, you know, they meet up with their friends in the center. I, I feel like I'm always like, okay, even if the light turns red, make sure everybody stops. Like, don't trust they're going to stop. I've just seen far too many people lately blowing red lights and um, not even stopping at stop signs or like maybe rolling through it at a 15 mile per hour, you know, way too fast. They're not stopping. Um, so it was crazy because that intersection I was hit being such a busy one, I was shocked. There was no dry, um, no cameras. Um, I feel like there should be some cameras at some of these major intersections. I think people need to possibly have a little more enforcement on stopping at stop signs, even because it's dangerous. Uh, you know, if someone's, if the kids are riding their bikes, to go through a stop sign that quick is just too, shouldn't be the case. It's a stop sign for a reason. Um, and it's so my daughter being 16. Um, 
just got her driver's license. And uh, I feel like every time she's in the car with me, I'm reminding her different <laughs> things she should look out for. And um, just like a few days ago, literally, we were stopped at a, another kind of busy intersection, Boulevard and South Quaker. And I stopped at a red light. And the person behind me, the light's already red, and I'm stopped in front of them, swerved around me and blew through the red light. So I just don't understand, like, why red lights don't seem to matter anymore to some people. Um, but it needs to um, matter because people are going to get hurt. We've been talking with West Hartford resident Stephanie Marco Lance. She's a mixed media artist, and she's recounting for us what she experienced, her family experienced as well, five years ago at the intersection of Farmington and Trout Brook. Stephanie, thank you for coming on, and we're glad that you're doing better today. Thank you for having me. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalbethanchel. Coming up after a break, we're going to hear from the town of West Hartford about an ongoing study to slow traffic between Bishop's Corner and West Hartford Center. Today, as we focus on pedestrian deaths rising in our state, also a national problem. Do you feel safe walking where you live? You can join us, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. Or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. ECMO is a leading-edge, life-saving treatment for patients with cardiac or respiratory failure. Dr. Jason Gluck, director of the Mechanical Circulatory Support Program and Emergency Cardiac Care at Hartford Hospital, explains what it is. So ECMO stands for extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, outside the body oxygenation of blood. It's a life support technique that's used by highly sophisticated medical systems for patients with severe heart or lung failure. The technique involves removing blood from the body, oxygening it, and then returning it back. ECMO procedures happen in the ICU, but not all hospitals are equipped with the necessary technology and staff. Dr. Gluck describes Hartford Hospital's ECMO Go Team. So ECMO is considered when treatments have failed, and in our center, with a special ECMO on the go team, we'll actually take that technology to their hospital and help them out there if they need to to stabilize the patient and then bring them back to heart for recovery. For more information, go to ctpublic.org slash health. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Connecticut's Highway Safety Office says pedestrian deaths in our state have more than doubled since 2011. And this year, there have been reports of at least 17 pedestrian-involved deaths. This data does not include four incidents over the last month, two in Hartford, one on I-91 North near North Haven, and in West Hartford, where a pedestrian on the sidewalk was hit and killed in the town center near North Main Street and Farmington Avenue. That crash is still under investigation, and the town of West Hartford cannot comment. But the town has been studying how to slow traffic. Joining us now on Zoom is Greg Summer, who's West Hartford's town engineer. Greg, welcome to our show. Hey, good morning, Lucy. Thanks for having me. Our listeners can join as well, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Greg, you know, we played that interview from a West Hartford resident who was struck on the corner of Farmington Avenue and Trout Brook Drive five years ago. What was your reaction to what she shared? 
Yeah, anytime we have a, a pedestrian, a vulnerable user involved in a crash, you know, it always certainly, um, you know, heightens our awareness. And, and um, you know, as, as an engineering division, uh, we're always working closely with our police department, uh, making sure we follow up on those crashes to get a better understanding of exactly what happened or some of the contributing factors um, and really take a good hard look to see uh, if there's anything we could be doing differently out there. Um, you know, hopefully to, to maybe correct uh, that, that situation so that type of crash doesn't occur again. That was five years ago when we talk about that intersection. Has the town made any changes? It's, it's pretty heavily uh, trafficked. It is. It's one of our, uh, certainly our busier, uh, one of our busier intersections, um, you know, just on the outskirts of, of West Hartford Center. Um, we are making improvements out there. Uh, we've, um, you know, recently with the, the, the Trapper Trail uh, has just opened up in that area. Uh, so we're seeing uh, some additional pedestrian use from that as well. Um, so we're looking at, you know, shortening some of those crossing distances by realigning the crosswalks, um, adding uh, new accessible uh, sidewalk ramps, upgrading some of the pedestrian push buttons at that intersection um, so that they have a audible and uh, vibrotactile aerial uh, on that button. Uh, so that helps uh, not only for able body uh, pedestrians, but, but, you know, more so with uh, those that might be deaf or uh, visually impaired, uh, being able to, to safely navigate their way across the street, the uh, the uh, buttons will actually, um, you know, say that the walk light is on, or they'll tell you that you need to wait. Um, so that's been very well received by the community. Um, in other areas where you have those um, those those pedestrian push buttons, those enhanced uh, crossing features. Uh, so we're looking to bring it to that intersection in the near future as well. What about driver behavior? You know, we hear you know, anecdotes, uh, people talking about even uh, Stephanie mentioning people blowing through red lights, not stopping at stop signs. Um, she even mentioned, you know, she'd like to see a camera at that intersection. You know, how do you how do you approach that? It's a challenge because uh, we're seeing that more and more. Uh, right. Dri drivers are obviously distracted. Um, we see the, the aggressive behavior, uh, as Stephanie had pointed out. Um, in, a, in a recent uh, experience she had. Um, so yeah, certainly we're, we're, you know, again, working with the, the police department uh, to step up in you know, their enforcement efforts, um, trying to, to correct that, but, but it's, a, it's a challenge, uh, certainly. Um, they are looking at um, uh, purchasing uh, camera equipment to do uh, some surveillance uh, at some of our major intersections. I know that's one of the initiatives that the, uh, the police department is currently working on. Um, we've actually done something similar uh, with a mobile traffic camera that we've uh, reached, recently purchased. Um, we're able to uh, deploy that for you know a, a couple of days, but it gives us a way to observe uh, the intersection or other specific traffic concern that we hear about. Uh, we'll be able to to uh, you know gather some information, uh, especially if it occurs you know off peak or over the weekend, something like that. Uh, we can record that video data and then and then bring that in, watch it, and and get an understanding of, of how, um, you know, traffic is moving through the area and, and maybe pick up on a, you know, a, an issue or concern that, that isn't really, uh, you know, recognizable when you're, when you're standing out there. 
You can join our conversation as we talk to West Hartford's town engineer, Greg Summer, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, since I mentioned again that you're a town engineer, you know, what are some other ways when we think about how municipalities you know, design roads, uh, ways that you can calm traffic because you can't get into the mind of every driver who's in a rush or distracted, but there are ways that you can design a road to make them slow down. Can you talk about that? Absolutely. Uh, certainly narrowing, narrowing the traffic, uh, the, the travel lanes certainly help. Um, you know, there's a number of different tools that we have uh, in our toolbox uh, that help us um, as we're designing our roadways um, to, to really calm traffic. Uh, we've recently developed a, a neighborhood street traffic calming program. Um, but there's an, and there's a number of towns that, that uh, have developed these over the years. Um, really gained to, you know, geared towards uh, reducing uh, vehicle speeds, uh, you know, calming traffic, uh, improving pedestrian and, and bicycle facilities, um, all in an effort of, you know, improving, improving safety, improving the environment um, and the neighborhood. Uh, Ethan tweeted at where we live. Uh, he lives in the town of West Hartford and writes, uh, West Hartford addresses bicycle pedestrian accommodations on each street as it paves, but there's not an overall plan for connected and protected travel bike lanes. Ethan says there's no vision for something better. How do you respond to that? Um, I, I'd have to disagree. I think we have a, a pretty robust, uh, as part of our complete streets policy, uh, which we adopted back in 2015, uh, it includes a, a bicycle network plan um, where we actually highlight um, and, and um, uh, basically uh, outline, uh, you know, the, the type of facility that, uh, you know, each roadway um, will, will be, uh, be treated with, um, you know, when, when, when the time comes. Obviously, uh, if we have planned road projects, um, you know, that's the, the best opportunity uh, to install new markings and, and add uh, bike signage. Uh, so that's that's what we've been doing. Um, you know, I think we've made some great strides, um, you know, especially the last five years or so, uh, really bolstering our, our number of miles of bike lanes. We're up to about 25 miles of bike lanes in town, uh, 53 miles of bike routes. Uh, and then we have some uh, new multi-use trails that we're uh, actively constructing now. So I think we've, we've done a, a tremendous uh, job, especially, you know, most recently within the last five years of really, uh, really developing our uh, our bicycle network. You've mentioned the the job that's been done, but you know, even when you, I'm just curious if you've been hearing from town residents. You know, a quick scan of of Facebook groups, especially those who live in West Hartford. A lot of people are concerned about again driver behavior and not feeling safe walking. And and so many people are drawn to West Hartford because of the amenities. It's uh, billed as a, a walkable center. And so, what more can be done? How do you respond to those concerns? Well, one of the things that we're, we're currently uh, working towards uh, is the West Hartford uh, Center Infrastructure Master Plan. Uh, so we're in the process of hiring a consultant now um, that we'll work closely with. Um, there'll certainly be a, a robust uh, public outreach uh, you know, component to that project. Um, but really kind of working to, to revitalize um, you know, West Hartford Center, re-envision it, I should say, um, and, and looking at different, different options, uh, ways to... Um, you know, through the pandemic, uh, we've, we've done a pretty good job um, expanding the, the outdoor dining uh, element. And I think that's been very well received by the community. Um, so I think this, this master plan initiative 
um, would look at ways of, of making that a little bit more permanent, um, expanding the, you know, potentially the, the pedestrian sidewalk areas um, so that, it, you know, again, you're, you're you know, um, highlighting the, the pedestrian features um, through, the, through the center um, and, and it's, you know, in, in an effort to calm traffic. So I think that's, that's really something that, uh, you know, you will see in, in, in the center uh, over the next couple of years um, as we work through that and, and uh, you know, implement improvements, um, especially on LaSalle and on Farmington Avenue uh, in West Hartford Center. And we think about that, that road diet study that's been underway uh, to calm traffic and busy points in, in town. Uh, Kate tweets that municipalities need to be more transparent about traffic studies. What exactly are you looking at and why? And there should be a quick turnaround, shared results and goals for outcomes also important. And so how do you factor all that in, in terms of communicating with your town residents? Sure. So um, for those Listeners that might not be aware, um, we have been uh, going through a North Main Street road diet uh, study. Uh, it's been going on for, for several years now. Uh, most recently, we've actually implemented a, a trial. So on North Main Street, uh, major north-south route through town, uh, basically from the center up through Bishop's Corner, um, we basically took a the, the four-lane section of roadway um, and, and reduced that. So it's a, a single lane in each direction with a center uh, two-way left turn lane. Uh, so what that has allowed us to do is, is to create shoulders, um, you know, pull traffic closer to the center of the roadway, um, and, and really enhance the pedestrian and, uh, and bicyclist environment. And then we've heard some great comments from our residents. Uh, we've done a number of a uh, couple public uh, surveys online, uh, which have been, you know, really well, um, uh, great responses uh, came and comments came out of those surveys. Uh, we've had a couple of uh, public info meetings uh, just to, to listen to our, to our residents and our community uh, and hear their input. Uh, I think we've, we've gotten some very valuable feedback from that. and um, We're looking forward to, to very shortly here making a, a final decision um, you know, with that trial, whether it, it remains um, in, in place or if we revert back. But um, no, I think it's, it's been pretty well received by the community and it's certainly a, a benefit for our, uh, you know, our vulnerable users. You're hearing Greg Summer here on Where We Live. He's West Hartford's town engineer. He'll stay with us. And after the break, we're going to take your calls if you're holding. Here's the number, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WMPR. We're also going to talk to the Connecticut Department of Transportation. More after a short break. This is where we live on Connecticut Public Radio. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. We're talking about driver behavior, also transportation planning, two factors that impact the safety of roads and streets in local communities. Pedestrian deaths in our state have more than doubled in the last decade. What's your response when you hear that? You can join us, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, with us on Zoom is Greg Summer, who's the town engineer in West Hartford. Joining us now is the deputy commissioner in the Connecticut Department of Transportation, Garrett Ucolito. Garrett, welcome back to the show. Thank you, Lucy. 
I've mentioned that statistic a few times, uh, pedestrian deaths more than doubling in our state since 2011. Uh, I'm wondering if you can talk about this from uh, the view of the DOT and, uh, you know, the efforts that need to happen um, to, you know, really uh, lower this troubling statistic. Yeah, you know, when we're looking at the the fatality numbers and also the uh, serious injury numbers that are occurring, it's really alarming to all of us at the Connecticut DOT as to what's occurring on our roadways. Uh, And we know that uh, dangerous driver choices are the primary cause or contributing factor in probably 70% of the pedestrian fatalities that are occurring. And that's why it's been a significant focus uh, for many years here at DOT, but also in the legislature, uh, you know, back in 2021, uh, Representative Roland Lamar and the Connecticut General Assembly championed some legislation that we worked with him on that uh, tried to address a lot of those uh, factors that can contribute to fatalities for pedestrians. So um, efforts to reduce speed limits um, or reduce speeds of the drivers, um, creating some new pedestrian safety zones, improving visibility for pedestrians at crosswalks, but also establishing a statewide Vision Zero Council. Uh, the next meeting is actually a uh, uh, later today. Um, so it is a, you know, a kind of a holistic approach to try and address driver behavior. But we also know we have to address street designs, we have to increase education, and we have to increase enforcement efforts. Uh, and so it's not just one approach to try and address this, but it's a multi-pronged effort that we're going to need to continue to work on with partners across the state and across the nation. You mentioned street design. Uh, Anthony tweeted, you know, big SUVs and vanity trucks are certainly a safety issue. DOT doesn't control that, but it does control design standards for state routes. And he writes, the agency refuses to stripe bike routes, install sidewalks or put in crosswalks. Meanwhile, pedestrian deaths are rising. Can you respond to that and talk about from the state perspective, looking at state routes, when we look at street design, what can you do differently? Yeah, I mean, I would say um, we are making significant efforts to try and uh, improve the design of our roadways um, here on the Berlin Turnpike, which I wouldn't say is a pedestrian friendly uh, roadway. It's where the DOT headquarters is. Uh, We're in the process of installing crosswalks at all the intersections. And while there are not sidewalks, um, uh, there at least will be crosswalks with pedestrian signal heads for individuals to cross. Um, We have multiple efforts underway to do what are called road diets across the state to try and reduce um, the lane widths, um, increase shoulders, um, and make it uh, a little bit uh, safer for bikers and pedestrians in those corridors by slowing drivers down um, through those corridors. Um, And one of the other big pushes we have right now is... uh, Uh, Fairly new in Connecticut, but it's very common around the world and across the the country, which is uh, roundabouts. Um, Some places, they call them rotaries here. They're a little bit different. They're called roundabouts. Um, We have uh, over 20 of them under design across the state. Um, They have been proven to significantly uh, reduce uh, crashes and fatalities and slow down uh, driver speeds not slowing down their um, total travel time to get to where they're going. Um, But when you eliminate that um, traffic signal and replace it with a a roundabout, you're going to slow down their speed through that corridor, which makes it safer for everyone. Um, And so those are just some of the uh, work we're doing, but we're working with local governments too. We have a 
program called the Community Connectivity Grant Program, where we're funding um, uh, local efforts to make improvements to their roadways. We've awarded over 100 grants in the past few years, totaling over $38 million. Um, and then we also have other programs uh, in which are called the Local Transportation Capital Improvement Program, very long name, uh, but some award-winning projects that are really improving safety um, across our state. Uh, one of the Community County Figure Grant Programs, it was actually in Stanford, it's called Boxer Square. It won a national award for efforts to improve safety for pedestrians, slow down traffic, and make it safer for all users in that uh, intersection area. You're hearing Garrett Ucolito here on Where We Live. He's the Deputy Commissioner for the State Department of Transportation as we talk about uh, driver behavior and the importance of transportation planning, road design to help improve safety. You can join us, 888-720-9677, or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. I wanted to bring in another perspective. Uh, Carrie Provost is joining us on the phone. Uh, Carrie, welcome to Where We Live. Hi. You're a Hartford resident and a blogger, and you wrote a pretty scathing piece about that uh, latest fatal West Hartford crash uh, that killed uh, 61-year-old Bob O'Neill. You spoke about your experience getting from point A to point B and why you're so concerned about driver behavior and road design. Can you tell us a little bit about um, your thoughts here? Yeah, so I thought I was actually being very gentle in what I wrote. I've been mapping Connecticut pedestrian and cyclist fatalities for a few years and have done paid and unpaid work on transportation safety issues. So I know from a logic perspective, from what data tells me, and instinctively from experience when a road or intersection has been designed poorly um, and in a way that will have serious consequences. And that's what we call it. These are consequences. Bad design stemming from a lack of political will has results. And since 2015, West Hartford has had several preventable pedestrian fatalities the one thing they've had in common is that they're all on roads designed to allow vehicles to move at high rates of speed. And as you know, the faster someone is driving, the less chance a pedestrian has of surviving that collision. So maybe a week before the preventable fatal collision in West Hartford Center, I was standing at the corner of that intersection, Farmington and Maine, waiting for the pedestrian light to give me permission to cross so I could catch the bus back to Hartford. And I realized that West Hartford requires people to push the beg button here to get the light. This is at an intersection that always has pedestrians waiting to cross. And it felt insulting. Drivers get the light automatically, but humans outside of cars in the town center have to put in a special request to cross the street legally. And then if you're going from the Chipotle side of the road to the bus back to Hartford side, it will take you at least two light cycles if you cross legally. That's a ridiculous thing to ask of pedestrians. Why is our time less valuable? Why is the intersection so wide it cannot be crossed in 30 seconds? This is the town center, a place where we've been told it's walkable. Is it? There's nothing wrong with where the bus stops are. The problem is the intersection with the sheer number of lanes that makes what should be a pleasant area resemble a traffic sewer. Um, So when I heard that a driver struck and killed Bob Mm O'Neill, I was not at least surprised where this happened, but I was angry because the design that makes Simple mobility inconvenient for pedestrians also allows drivers to reach unsafe speeds, making collisions more serious and, in this case, fatal. Um, So I was asked, you know, why did I write this open letter? And I have a number of reasons, but I'll just talk about three. Um, And it's the letters to the town of West Hartford elected and appointed members of government. And I wanted those who make decisions about road design, from the engineers to those who create budgets, to hear that it's not okay to keep dragging their feet on revising past design mistakes. 
I'm not a random outraged member, member of the public. I've worked on these issues. And the knowledge about design influencing driver behavior is not new. Any town or city that prioritizes the safety of its residents and visitor, visitors will have already begun making significant improvements to its most dangerous areas. West Hartford has not done this. I wanted to spell out that there are temporary, less expensive design fixes. Those in office, I'm assuming, know this, but the general public might not realize there are interim changes that can be made. A tight budget is no excuse for inaction. And then really the thing that kind of drove me over the edge was um, anyone that uses the phrase thoughts and prayers is going to hear about it. And that's what the town of West Hartford offered. Thoughts and prayers combined with a traffic advisory when a human was killed. Nobody's paying municipal employees to pray, especially when road design is within the realm of things they actually have the ability to fix. Um, You can't allow conditions for fatal crashes and then offer thoughts and prayers as if the matter was out of your control. It wasn't an earthquake. It was road design. Um, So I thought I was being very gentle in what I wrote, considering that these are all known issues Mm -hmm. and that these are all things that people have had the ability to change. And the town engineer from West Hartford still on with us, Greg Summer. Uh, thank you, Carrie, for walking us through the points you raised uh, in that piece. Greg, did you want to respond uh, to Carrie's concerns as someone who is walking quite often uh, in, t- in West Hartford? Yeah, thank you, Lucy. And, and Carrie, I appreciate the, the commentary. Um, and, and I can understand the frustration. And, and you know, it's it's incredibly unfortunate and you know anytime like i mentioned um you know there's a a a crash certainly if there's a a fatality um it's something we take very seriously um and you know we're gonna we're gonna look at that uh that crash report uh once it comes out once the police department is is done investigating uh the uh the the incident and uh and we're gonna look at it um but until then uh, until we have a full understanding of, of what happened um, what the, the contributing factors were, um, what played into it. Um, you know, we're not going to not going to rush to judgment. I, I think it's important that we we follow the process and we get it right. Um, and that you know it, it is going to take a little bit of time, but um, you know it is it, it's always something that we're going to we're going to look at and, and take seriously. And when pedestrians um, do push the button to cross, you know, do they have enough time to cross? You know, how do you gauge how much time is needed for people who, you know, uh, there's many uh, people with, uh, you know, a different uh, mobility uh, in terms of how to get across when we when we know that that cars are, you know, that's a very, those are very busy intersections uh, for many of us who drive through there. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And that's one of the things there's uh, design standards. Uh, based on the distance that you're crossing, uh, we will calculate exactly how much time is needed. Uh, it's based on a walking speed of, of three and a half feet per second, uh, which is you know able to accommodate uh, even even some that, that might move a little bit slower than a, an able-bodied person. Um, so that's that's all built into the to the timings of, of the traffic signal. Um, at many of our intersections, especially in the center, uh, we have ex- what's called an exclusive pedestrian phase. Uh, which means all traffic is is stopped, and, and the pedestrians have um, the clear right of way, um, where there's no moving uh, moving traffic. And in other locations and, and other towns, um, they operate a concurrent head phase, which the uh, traffic is is moving in the same direction as as the pedestrians. So, um, you know, there's there's pros and cons to both, but uh, especially in areas where there's a, a heavy volume of uh, pedestrian traffic, like in the center. Um, you know, it, it's worked out well with the, the exclusive pedestrian phases that we, we have. 
You can join us 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Uh, Gare was calling in from East Hampton. Gare, what did you want to share? Hi, I wanted to share the fact that I, I've, I was born and raised in Iceland, so I spent half of my life in Scandinavia. And the other half here in the States, and the, the approach is so drastically different when it comes to how we treat uh, just traffic in general. And, uh, and sort of the biggest, the biggest point I would like to make is I feel like this whole conversation is about treating the symptoms of the problem as opposed to the cause. And the cost being just lack of early education. When in Iceland, uh, you know, a preschooler is taught how to cross the street, and you're taught to help the driver to see you, and and so you you you're being made aware that you also contribute into the traffic pattern, whether you're a pedestrian, a bicyclist, or, or or if you drive a car, and and there are certain things like. You know, you know what they're saying. You know, co- you know, common sense is the problem with common sense is it's it's uncommon. <laughs> so, um, for me, every time I see pedestrians or bike uh, bicyclists um, uh, going with traffic as opposed to against traffic, it, it just bewilders me. Because as a pedestrian, or if you're on a bike, if you're if you're going with traffic, that means you're putting the trust your life in the hands of the driver that's coming often speeding up behind you and all it takes is 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 a fly get a bee getting into the the car or 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 some sort of distraction just a moment of distraction and 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 that's it you're 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 trusting the fact that this the the person driving is not going to be distract distracted and i think distraction is only going to get worse from now on in and 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 until we figure that one out it's it's um, uh, it's about teaching preschoolers and, and, and children how to behave in traffic and, and, and making sure, like your, um, your, your guest earlier, Stephanie mentioned that now she teaches her daughter to wait to see if someone is going to stop at the red light or not. I mean, that's mm-hmm. what we should always be doing, always second guess. Yeah, but you're also uh, putting a lot. You're also putting a lot on pedestrians and bicyclists to follow the rules. You know, part of this is also driver behavior, and that's something that Garrett Ucolito from the State Department of Transportation has also um, stressed. Uh, Garrett, I wanted to get back to you when we talk about the issue of walkability. Uh, so many people in our state who ride buses and how they need to get from point A to point B, including walking. I'm wondering if you can talk about that. Yeah, you know, uh, I think what will surprise a lot of people um, listening today is that prior to COVID, um, we had uh, almost as many bus trips occur in our state as we did uh, commuter rail trips in our state. I think it was around 39 million bus trips and 40 million rail trips. Um, And, you know, frequently, um, if you don't use a bus, you may not often think about it, but it is such a vital um, tool and resource um, for everyone who relies on it. Um, it expands, econ- expands economic mobility, gets them to the grocery store, the drugstore, um, brings them to school, to work, um, and uh, other social activities. So, But taking the bus, you need a safe place to wait for that bus, a safe place to get off the bus, um, and then you need to be able to walk or bike to your destination, um, that first last mile concept. Um, so that is definitely something that, uh, you know, we at the Connecticut DOT are uh, trying to work on. We are hoping to uh, roll out a new program 
um, later this year to do a statewide um, improvement program of all of the bus shelters and bus stops uh, statewide um, to provide them with the, the dignity they deserve as transit users. Um, but those uh, sidewalks connecting to those shelters, getting them where need to, they need to go is really critical. Um, they also need to be able to safely cross the street to the other side when they get off that bus. Uh, one of the uh, efforts that was in the legislation in 2021 um, is making sure that pedestrians no longer have to actually be in the crosswalk for a vehicle to yield for them. Uh, now they just have to indicate their desire to cross, um, which is you know a concept I, I don't think before I came back to Connecticut, I didn't realize that the law said I actually had to be in the crosswalk for a vehicle to, to yield to me. So um, that is a small but subtle change. Um, that can help uh, raise visibility for drivers as to what their responsibility is for everyone trying to get around in our state. You can join us at 888-720-9677 or find us on Facebook and Twitter at Where We Live. Richard was calling in from Manchester. Richard, if you're still there, tell us what you wanted to share. Uh, I happen to be a crossing guard, and obviously I do see uh, a lot of things. I'm on a street that in an hour and a half, over 700 vehicles go by and i've done my own little survey and there are signs showing speed limit um that says 25 miles per hour it's a school area uh people are reversing the 25 and they're doing 52. i think education is very very important at an early age i have signs uh where people can press and the flashing light and uh i would say Eight out of ten cars will go right through it. I sometimes have to point to it. And I even tell people as they're crossing, uh, don't assume a car will stop. The gentleman that just prior uh, spoke about people just going a little bit into it, uh, either people are not aware of that law or they just blow right through it. And and another um, observation that I have uh, once motorists feel that pedestrians are not an inconvenience to them, then I think things will change, that they have to put themselves in the shoes of the pedestrians. Uh, the street that I'm on, it's, it's Spruce Street, it runs parallel with Main. There's only four traffic lights. Main Street has uh, ten and it's a major uh, uh, kind of speedway to get on to 384. So there's a lot of factors there. Uh, mm-hmm. The police do cruise around, but they need to be there in consequences. There's no consequences for people uh, to, uh, if, if it was known that, yes, you do this and you're going to be ticketed or so, maybe that would. But um, I guess they just can't chase cars or uh, and there's accidents that happen at least once a week on the street. Emergency thank you. Vehicles I'm going to have the guests respond. Uh, Richard, thank you for sharing that. Uh, I'll go back to you, Garrett Ucolito, with uh, DOT. Uh, Richard stressing consequences. I wonder if you can uh, weigh in there. He, he raised a great point. Um, you know, um, like I said earlier, there's multiple it's a multi-pronged approach to getting, uh, you know, to improving safety on our roadways. Enforcement is one of those. And one of the things that um, we have seen nationally, one of the most effective tools is automated traffic enforcement. 
uh, New York City has uh, speed cameras near their schools, and it has drastically reduced speeding near those schools and improved safety for the children and their families who are walking to and from school every day. Um, they've just received legislative approval to continue that program. It was a pilot program. Um, we at the DOT, while school uh, zone cameras are not legal in Connecticut, uh, in fact, no automated traffic enforcement is legal in Connecticut, uh, we did receive legislative approval to use um, speed cameras as a pilot in our work zones on the highways. Uh, we hopefully will be rolling that pilot out later this year. Um, and we hope to use the results from that pilot to show the efficacy of uh, automated traffic enforcement to drastically reduce speeds, improving safety for people, whether you are on a local road or on an interstate highway. You know, uh, I believe Richard mentioned Main Street, and we did get a comment from Rick on Facebook. Uh, he talks about part of the problem is related to how the state manages Main Streets. He writes, many of our Main Streets are state highways designed to be wide and straight with no obstructions. So they're auto-oriented, not at all friendly to pedestrians, and they've also ruined the character of our town centers. Could you respond to that, Garrett? Yeah, I think that's... Um... That's a valid point. You know, back um, several decades ago, uh, you know, the the state had responsibility for these roadways and the focus for all of those communities and for the state DOT and state government at the time was getting people quickly to their jobs in urban centers and then getting them home in the evening. That approach has changed here at Conda, and I think it, that approach has changed locally as well. Um, and so we are making improvements. It can't happen all at once, but um, as part of our comprehensive pedestrian safety strategy we released last year, we've identified efforts that we're going to go out and look at uh, how we can improve safety in those community centers where a state road passes through a community center. How can we improve uh, uh, or reduce speeds through those communities? And we are doing several things, like I mentioned, road diets through those communities, um, improving pedestrian infrastructure, um, trying to improve crosswalks and uh, flashing beacons. So it is something that is going to take time. But um, we, I, we recognize that those decisions of the past uh, 30, 40 years ago, um, and without county governments here in Connecticut, it's fallen on Condot um, to manage those state roads across the state. But um, it is uh, something that we're going to continue to address with our local partners. You've been hearing Garrett Ucolito here on Where We Live. Again, he's Deputy Commissioner of the State Department of Transportation. Thank you, Garrett. Also to Kerry Provost for calling in, a Hartford resident and blogger, and West Hartford Town Engineer, Greg Summer. Thank you also to listeners for your social media comments. We couldn't get to all the calls, but we appreciate the engagement on this important topic. I'm Lucy Nalpathanchel. Today's show produced by Katie Pellico. We'll be back tomorrow. Give a gift to Connecticut Public.